Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. All right, so thank you for uh, those, uh, those reminders. So let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Genesis in chapter 3. And if you'll grab your note sheet, take a look at the title of the lesson this morning. The title of the lesson is The Lord, His Presence, and the Life We Choose. The Lord, His Presence, and the Life We Choose. Take a look at uh, this short passage in Genesis. Chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? What a profound, short little passage. They... Adam and Eve got to walk with God in the, in the garden, that beautiful garden that he had created. And when, the, when God came to walk and talk with them and spend time with them, they hid themselves. They hid themselves because of their sin. They did not want to be in the presence of God. What a sad thing for God desired presence with them. And God continues to desire presence with the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. My prayer is that we would not hide ourselves. And that this year we would learn to really enjoy, understand and enjoy and appreciate uh, his presence. And we would choose to be in his presence as well. And so with that, let's, let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we thank you for the morning. We thank you, Father, this our third lesson of the year on presence. We pray, Lord God in heaven, as we have laid out a roadmap for where we're headed in regards to the lessons to come, that you would help us, dear Heavenly Father, recognize first and foremost this morning that your presence is all the time, everywhere, and everything. And that, Father, we can trust in that and know that you know us fully and completely. And you are ever near us. And so I pray, Father, in recognizing that there would be no fear, but rather great confidence and thanksgiving for all that you have done, are doing, and will do for us and through us because of your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There is an old saying that says, you can run, but you cannot hide. I remember my dad used to say that to me jokingly, but when I do something wrong, it wasn't so much of a joke anymore. You can run, but you can't hide. You know, when it comes to the presence of God, we need to decide, we need to choose to submit, to listen, to enjoy his presence and his blessing. And if we don't choose that, obviously, what are we doing? We're pulling the old Adam and Eve thing. We're running and we're hiding. We're making excuses. We're filling our life up 
with everything other than what God would desire for us. And I have to share with you that's common human plight. Sadly, it seems to be a common plight for Christians as well. And I shared this morning with those who are here for Bible class that uh, the first time I started studying about presence, I was really excited. And then when I started to dig into it, getting ready for that first lesson here a few weeks ago, got a little cringe, realizing, you know, the presence of God in everything I do, in everything I say, in every thought I think, in every motive I have. It's a little, get a, a little scary. And then the expectations of what I can be and what he's called me to be and then what I am. So we need to be very mindful that we can have two pictures of God's presence. There was a teacher by the name of Mr. Johnson when I was in sixth grade, and uh, his presence was, in my mind, pretty pathetic. Uh, until I was doing something I should not have been doing, and many of you know the story. Uh, his presence was felt when he was right behind me, and I was doing something, writing on my desk, when I shouldn't have been. It was terrifying to realize that I was soon to be uh, spanked by Mr. Sherman in the uh, principal's office and then summarily spanked by my father, which was worse, when I got home. The interesting thing, though, is, is that fear of his presence there really changed when he began to take an interest in me. And that presence that he was right there before that terrified me, when he would come over and walk around the room and I was working on a project after that one experience, I really welcomed his presence. I really appreciated his presence. And he became really the life-changing force in my life that has allowed me to become a, a, a Christian man, become a teacher, become a preacher. If it wasn't for him and his presence in my life, I don't think I would be alive today. And that was way back in sixth grade. And so we need to recognize and understand we can choose to see God's presence as this, this, this damning God breathing down our necks waiting for us to mess up. That's one way we could see God. Or the other is, as we've talked about before, the joy of his presence. The joy of his presence. In having a father that sacrificed himself by sacrificing his son out of love, desiring presence in your life. And so this morning, as we read the, the anchor passage of scripture in the book of Genesis, or excuse me, the book of Psalms in chapter 139, don't think of it as that, that, that ogre of a teacher breathing down your neck, waiting to smack down on you when you make a mistake, but rather that loving, amazing father who has given everything for you and is excited to see you grow as you come more and more into his presence and an understanding of his presence in your life. And so with that, let's turn to Psalms chapter 139. And it's a short psalm, but a, a very powerful psalm in communicating the presence of God. And my prayer this morning for us is that we would recognize how great a presence we have in the one who loves us more 
than we could even love ourselves. Beginning in verse 1. Psalms 139, beginning in verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and, and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and, and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such a knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to, to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn and if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all, the, were, were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet they were not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, for they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with, an utter, uh, the, with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies." Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any harmful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. There are five parts to this, this psalm and I'm going to go through them very quickly. And I've, I have some uh, areas for just writing down just a few thoughts, a, a few words, a few notes, but I want you to recognize the amazing presence of God in every single human life. Take a look first at point number one. There's three parts there, and they're looking at the first three parts of this psalm. It's point number one, the Lord is present, meaning omnipresent. He is always present everywhere, all the time, in every place. And by the way, the Lord is intimately present in your life, whether you're a Christian or not. He knows you better than you know yourself. And take a look here in this passage of scriptures, the first couple verses, verses one through six. He says in verse one, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. That word searched, that word searched means to pierce, 
to penetrate, to look into intently, to examine intimately. There isn't anything that God doesn't know about you. He knows your past and how it's changed your thinking. He knows every motive of your heart. He knows all. And there is nothing that you can do to hide his knowing of you. Notice in verse 2, You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. In other words, he understands what you're going through and he understands why you do what you do. And he's available to you if you would only reach out to him and help in those times of need. But oftentimes, what do we do? We try to hide our motives. We try to hide ourselves because we think, well, God God can't see. God doesn't know. And yet he knows all things. Remember, it was just a, uh, last year that we talked about examining your motives. You examine your motives because God's examining your motives. He knows your heart, it says. And every motive is known to him. And so he knows our thoughts and our motives. He says here in verse 3, You, O God, scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. God, in his presence in our lives, the word presence that we learned here a couple weeks ago means face to face. Many of you have heard the statement, the eyes are the window to the soul. And when you look at someone and you're talking with them and they have something to hide, their eyes will reveal that. It's so important for us to recognize that we're ever face to face with God. We can choose to look away, but he still knows all. That can be a very terrifying thought or that can be a very reassuring thought. If your father in this world were perfectly loving and he knew every struggle of your heart and he was ever present, he would know how to respond to you and he would respond to you correctly every single time. Would you agree with that statement? Have he perfectly understood you? Well, that's who our God is. And so to run when we make a mistake is the wrong thing to do, as Adam and Eve did. But to come to him and share with him the struggle, he understands it, and he will make provision if you will trust in him. And so we continue to look here. It says in verse, in verse uh, <clears throat> 4, 5, and 6, Even before there's a word on my mouth, behold, the Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Now, you can look at that verse two different ways, can't you? You are in front of me, you're behind me. I'm enclosed, I'm in prison, and his hand is upon me. The strong hand of God is upon me. And you know what? If someone's in sin, the guilt, the fever, heat of summer, as it says in another psalm, that's not the strong hand of God, that's your own guilt crushing you. God wants to take that off and God wants to set you free. So you can look at verse 5 two different ways. Imprisoned by God ever breathing down your neck with a strong hand because, you know, that's how my dad was. 
And sometimes I have a tendency to go, oh, wait a minute, that's not how God is. You see, we need to recognize that his presence, there can be fullness of joy, as the scripture, Psalms 16, verse 11 speaks. Look at number verse 7 through verse 12. The second bullet point, the Lord is intimately ever-present, spiritually and physically. Take a look here. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? He says, I could ascend to heaven, or I could go down into Sheol, or even the abode of the dead. You can't get away from God. He's in the spiritual realm. He's in the physical realm. It says in verse 9, If I take the wings of dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. Notice that's a beautiful verse there in verse 10. His presence is always desiring to lead and to bless. Verse 11 says, if I, if I say surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will, will be night, even the darkness is, is not dark to you and the night is as bright as day, darkness and light are alike to you. How many of you know the Bible clearly says that those who sin do their sinning when? At night or in secret. And so we need to recognize there is no secret place. There is no dark place. God sees all and knows all. There's a passage of scripture and it says that every tear that you have cried, God has seen and felt and treasured. Those times when you've wept in bitterness because of poor choices you've made. God so desired, because he was present in those times, that you would come back to him. So it's so important for us to recognize, to see the presence of God differently than, than the crushing presence of a God who wants to destroy. By the way, you know who that is? That's not God the Father. That's Satan. He's called God, little g, of this world. And he's ever-present, desiring that you be damned, that he might have you forever and eternity. We need to get this thing straight. The presence of God is not terrifying. The presence of God is a blessing if we choose to be present with him. If we're not present with him, we're present with the God of this world, and we may not even know it. And the crush comes from him. Look at, look at letter C there um, for point number one. The Lord is intimately ever present in my life, in your specific life. This is a huge and amazing passage for me. Verse 13 down through verse 18. For you, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. The note sheet says, my person. Remember we looked at three things, man, his body, soul, and spirit. Remember body is called bio, soul is called psyche, and your spirit is called zoe. Those three Greek words describe you as a human being created in the image of God. Well, this word here, inward parts, you form my inward parts, you formed my very personhood, my psyche, the individual that I am. Everyone here is an individual. No one is the same. 
and you are uniquely and distinctly designed by God to serve him. And he knows that person whom he created, and he knows that you will be blessed beyond understanding if you will step into his presence and you will serve him as he has created you to serve him. Unhappiness comes when we try to do things our own way. That's when unhappiness comes. That's when frustration and anger and fear and insecurity and all those other things that plague the human experience come is when we don't step into the service of God in his presence as he has created us individually. Well, the second thing here, if you take a look at this, he says in verse 14, I will give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. The soul there is my psyche once again, my personhood. I know that you've made me unique and distinct. But this next one, my frame was not hidden from you when I was woven together in my mother's womb. You know, I'm balding. You go, oh, well, we know that. You didn't need to say anything. And you know, all came in this morning. It was great to see his family. And I made a comment about I like the fur. And what was your comment? Oh, it's, yeah. He said, it, but, but there's the gray. Now look, that's going to happen. And you know what? All of your hair may fall out. But someone once told me that that God gave those extra intellectual guys bald heads because it just pushes all the hair out. So see, there we are. Isn't that awesome? I don't know if that's in the book, but it sounds good to me. We need to recognize and understand the people that we are from a physiological standpoint, God created. Now, can we warp that out by the junk we put in it and by the stuff we should do we don't do? Well, of course, absolutely. But God gave you that container, that vessel designed for the service that you could render. Finally, this last part is so important. Verse 16 and following. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, yet as yet there was not one of them. You know, our existence is eternal. God has created us as eternal beings. And we are either going to exist in heaven with him or we're going to exist away because we've chosen whether to embrace his presence or embrace the presence of the only other God, little g, that desires to possess us. We get to choose. Thus the title, the Lord, his presence, and the life we choose. He is ever present, and he wants you to be ever present in him, but that's a choice that you need to make. I can't make that for you, and you can't make that for me. And how important that is. By the way, how many have ever read The Prodigal Son? The story of the prodigal son. Take a look at your lesson sheet. I I gave you that passage of scripture, and that's your homework assignment. I want you to listen to what is spoken there in the prodigal son. And think about presence. That young man and the choices of presence he made. Some of you already know, but please read it again. And also I want you to look at the father and think about his presence. 
You tell me how often that father did not think about his son when he went away. He was always on his heart, wasn't he? Always in his mind. And notice the father was always looking for him. That story gets under my skin every time I read it, every time I think about it, because if you're willing to be honest with yourself, that's you, that's me. We're that prodigal son. The question is, is will we choose to return to his presence and remain in his presence? For he is always present. You will exist forever in eternity. My prayer is that you would know that God desires your presence and is ever present until the day that you would pass from this life into the next. And then the choices you made in your life now will determine where you would spend eternity. Look at the last section here. There's two parts. Part number two, our faithful response to his omnipresence. Well, look at verses 19 through um, 22. That kind of sounds like what a stinking, rotten, rude Christian this is, is hating people. It kind of sounds that way. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God, depart from me, therefore men of bloodshed. And he goes on to say, I utterly hate those people. Look at the little note I have here under that section, possessing the utmost hatred of evil. You should hate evil in other people. But where did that evil come from? Were they born evil? Did they come out of the womb evil? The answer is absolutely not. They did not. There was evil influence in their life. There, were, there was evil presence in their life. And so they were influenced by that evil presence. Heaven forbid it should be from mom and dad. But I must confess, I was not the perfect model of a man for my sons. And I'm still striving to be that, as I know you are as well. But we need to recognize we're not talking about hating people, although you could probably say that kind of sounds that way. Use the scripture's umbrella in regards to the hatred of evil. We should hate evil. Because if we don't hate evil, then we tend to be drawn to think, well, you know, a little bit of here, a little bit there, no problem. And then pretty soon we're okay with embracing it. We need to hate evil and let God define what evil is. But you know what? We have no place in hating evil in another person until we go somewhere first. Where should we hate evil first? We should hate evil in our own lives. We should take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We should exterminate every evil thought, every evil motive, every evil word, and every evil deed. Can you do that? What's it called? It's called repentance, changing your mind. And you can do that because God gave that to you. It's not that God does not stop loving us. God will never stop loving us. It's we stop loving him. 
We need to recognize that we need to hate the evil in us and get the evil out. And then we'll have the compassion on those who are struggling, having been held captive by the devil to do his will, so that our presence in their life then can manifest God. But it all comes back to, because God is ever-present, I'm getting evil out of my life. Because it will keep me out of heaven, not God, but me, and I want to be ever-present with him. Finally, look at the last couple verses, verse 23 and 24, really the most important verses of the passage. Take a look, there's four things there. Number one, search me, O God, and know my heart. In your uh, note sheet, it says, search me. You know, we should ask God, God, would you search me, test me, see what needs to be fixed in me? We should be willing to ask that prayer. The word try me there means to actually test to see where there are weaknesses. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, where my weaknesses are. Expose me. Look at verse 24. See if there's any hurtful way in me. Expose me to myself so I can know the problems that I have. How many know it's easy to pick somebody else's sins out, but it's a little bit more difficult to pick your own out? That's easy. Because we're looking outward. But you know what? We need to be thinking about ourselves and exterminating the garbage in our own lives if we truly want to be pleasing to God and want to come into his presence. Finally, notice that last phrase, lead me in the everlasting way. You know, this last, very last section, point number two, the third part, complete submission and transparency to the love of God, that's where we really need to be. If I were to ask you to do anything this week, first it would be to read Luke in chapter 15 about the prodigal son. Second, determine that you will be like the prodigal son because you can see the prodigal son in that last part. Brethren, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the scripture teaches. And there's not one person that God has not loved enough to pay for every sin. There's not one person who's done good enough to earn heaven, but there's not one person that can't have it because of what Jesus Christ did. He wants your presence so much. He died for you and rose again and desires that he would be present in you through his spirit. But that's a choice that you and I must make by free will. And then once we become a Christian, then the question is, is we, will we continue to allow him to lead us and guide us? Brethren, the three things in closing, the three things that we have spoken that we're going to look at is, first of all, God's presence in our life. The second is our choice to be present in his life. And the third is to take the power from his presence in our lives and share that with others. The power of presence. We're called to change the world. We're called to be the light and the salt. And the only way to do that 
is to know his presence always and then your commitment to be present in him always so that our lives then can manifest his great glory and character to others. Let's pray. Holy God in heaven, there's not one of us here this morning that has come to that point of perfect moral, emotional, motive, thinking, word, deed, perfection. We've been called to that. Through your spirit, we are able to overcome sin. Through your spirit, we can be ever present in your life as you are in ours. But Holy Father, we must choose that every day. And we must grow by your word being ever present in our heart. My prayer, Father, is is that we would look at that story about the prodigal and realize that we will never go back to that landowner that possessed our very soul, the devil. But rather, Father, we would always be in your presence as you are always in ours. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.